Get autographed copies of New York Times bestselling author Cynthia Bryan's books at www.starstyleradio.com. Get inspired and motivated to be your best self with Be The Star You Are, 99 Gifts, and Be The Star You Are for Teens. Buy cases at a deep discount to give away as gifts and premiums. Visit www.starstyleradio.com or call 925-377-STAR. 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 have a plan for your life you've set goals you know where you want to go congratulations on finding star style be the star you are our vibrant hosts passion purpose and possibility producer cynthia bryan and her energetic daughter healthy living specialist heather Brittany, share the best roads fastest detours and successful strategies for a life worth living Reach your potential with their personal achievement coaching, miracle moments, inspiring guests, titillating interviews, and business bites. Be introduced to new books and innovative ideas that encourage you to live a positive, sustainable lifestyle while achieving your dreams. Ignite your power, make a difference in the world, and shoot for the stars. It's the power hour of living, loving, laughing, and learning. On Star Style, be the star you are. Lend us your ears. The party starts now. Never say never. Party time, party time. It is 4 o'clock Pacific, and that is the hour of power here on Star Style. Be the star you are. Welcome, power partners. My name is Cynthia Bryan. And I'm Heather Brittany. And we're coming to you live on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. This is Star Style, Be the Star You Are, brought to the airwaves under the auspices of Be the Star You Are charity. The miracle moment for today is brought to you by Be the Star You Are. It's the holiday season. Time to make a donation. Get a tax receipt. Go to be the star you are.org or you can go to the PayPal Giving Fund. They give 100% of your donation plus 1% to the charity. And this is by Belle Livingstone. I look outside to see what I could make the world give me, but instead of looking inside to see what was already there. I love these quotes that really are talking about be the star you are, (laughs) because it is really, it's not what's on the outside that matters. It is what is on the inside. So today we have a great show for you. Coming up in our second segment, we have an acclaimed novelist, Paulina Simons, coming to us. She's written Tully and Red Leaves in 11 hours, and her newest book is called Lone Star. It's a it's really a great uh, tale, tearjerker, friendship, so make sure you stay tuned in segment two. We'll go into the garden in segment three for some December tips, but right now we're going to talk about some mistletoe magic as well as a wonderful, I don't want to say new, but a wonderful way to stay in shape and uh, to feel healthy during the winter season. So Heather in, um, in Health Matters has all the information. So Heather, we talked about mistletoe a little bit last week, but I know you wanted to continue talking about a little bit more this week because, you know, in 500 BC, it was the signal of peace. So kind of give us some backstory of what's happened to mistletoe, um, you know, throughout the ages, and then we'll get down to laying some tracks. 
Yeah, well, you know, we talked, if uh, if anyone wants to archive and back into what happened last week, we talked a lot about with the mistletoe and just of how this, uh, basically, uh, this, uh, a pet, not pesticide, but basically a fungus, a, something that's a parasite, that's what I meant to say, a parasite that's growing on other plants um, is actually become this big symbol of love and, and fun for us. And as you said, it started as a thing of peace, and they used to think, as well as in the church, that um, mistletoe was almost magical because in the wintertime, we also think of things dying, of things kind of getting ready for the spring will be reborn again. But that's usually when stuff is, you know, they look bare minimum. But um, mistletoe seems to thrive, and it's beautiful. It's deadly, but beautiful. And um, they saw that something is almost this miracle in the wintertime that something so beautiful, sort of like a lotus style, of something so beautiful coming out of some, uh, so ugly. And over time, you know, it's become this symbol as a, as a make-out point. We know of having that mistletoe being hung over your head, and it actually started before um, in the 18th century, actually in Britain, uh, when they used to take ribbon and ornaments, and um, they would hang them from ceilings at uh, holiday times, and it was said that if a young lady was kissed under the decorations, um, that the future romance with this person um, would soon blossom more than a friendship. Now, we know it can be anyone. It can be family members. Um, it can, it's sort of just sort of a fun little holiday, and oftentimes now it's more than used for uh, uh, fundraising for certain projects. And something you can just find out in the wilderness, again, be cautious that these can be poisonous to both yourself and animals. So if you are handling uh, mistletoe, to wash um, your hands uh, properly before uh, eating or touching other surfaces. But what I really want to get to today is getting into... Right. I mean, it's interesting. I just wanted to say about the mistletoe, it just is so odd that it has become this symbol of love. (laughs) You know, when you think it's a fungus. It's kind of like having a mushroom as a as a symbol of love. But anyway, I th- I like that back history. Thank you for sharing that. So let's talk about um, this new topic that I think is really fabulous. So yeah, so you I know personally are a big fan of snowshoeing, and a few years ago, maybe even more than that, maybe about six years ago. Uh, my brother, your son, I uh, got you some snowshoes because they live up in Tahoe, and if people know Tahoe is a snow, for the most part, this year, hopefully, a snow-filled place. Um, and snowshoeing is a really fun activity. And in the wintertime, uh, trails that you, you, you would have normally gone on hiking or walking are now filled with snow, hopefully this year, hopefully filled with snow. Um, and, you know, you can't just walk out in your tennis shoes. You'll slip, and it can be um, harder on your joints, and you won't really get very far if you're just walking in snow boots and not snow shoes. So what snowshoeing is, if people have ever seen it, it almost sort of looks like these uh, big planks underneath your feet. And um, what they do is they actually have a better traction to help you get through the snow. It sort of um, helps you know, kind of cut down and um, shred through the snow so that you can walk through it. What that's doing, because it's creating that resistance, um, that's going to work not only into your thighs, your buttocks, but also your abs, your core muscles. Those are the big, deep things that we're always trying to tighten um, because it creates this imbalance with it. And they said that certain studies have shown that you can actually burn up to about 640 calories an hour. And, again, this kind of depends on what uh, you're doing in the hour. Because, as you know, you can very, people can run. People can go really fast. They can go up treacherous mountains. Or you can just have your own kind of peaceful little walk um, through the wilderness, which seems to be something that we do a lot of times. But saying if there's snow, uh, times that in the spring that we've walked the same trail in tennis shoes, hiking up a hill, we'll do it in the wintertime in these snowshoes. And it's 
fairly easy. If anyone, if you can walk, you can snowshoe. There really isn't any uh, skill, really. Just kind of making sure you have the pro- it's properly secured in um, and that you know the terrain enough that it isn't going to be that deep because if you're getting, you know, waist-high snow, you're not really going to go anywhere. You just need a little bit of powder underneath your feet. And amazing thing with snowshoeing, for a lot of people uh, that are runners in the springtime and people who, again, think, you know, maybe it sounds too peaceful or just snowshoeing sounds like walking, you really can make this a more an intense uh, exercise. And they've actually showed that people who uh, did snowshoeing in the wintertime when it came to spring, when they were back out to running again, were better runners and walkers because their body, having to snowshoe, again, it's this more resistance. So that's that's interesting. I wouldn't have thought that. I mean, because you really are walking, but I guess you're using muscles that you would use as a runner. Well, what's happening is it's that resistance. It's just as for swimmers when they're kind of trying to get them to taper time off their swimming, um, a lot of times they will have these little uh, fin things you work with that make it more difficult to swim, that make it so when you're pressing against the water, it creates more resistance. So then when you actually remove those, it feels so much that you have so much more speed because you're used to working, have to going so hard through the water. So it's the same thing with the snowshoes. Your body sort of adapts that it isn't just walking, just taking a little walk, that each step you're really having to lift up. Think of times, too, when you're walking in the sand or walking in the water, your muscles are having to work differently. So that way when you come back out of the sand, when you're on a, a paved street, it feels much more easier. Even though you could be working at the same pace, your muscles are, are used to more resistance. So it actually helps improve people's uh, times and speeds. And I, something I think is really nice that I like about it, that one, you can do it in, in a group thing with people and it's fun especially if someone's kind of leading to a spot they want to show. Um, but it can be a really nice solo thing, too, and especially out in nature and being in these snow environments. You know that right off the bat, uh, you're not going to be snowshoeing in a deep city. So it has this kind of natural uh, thing with it that I love when we go up there, sometimes just going on little solo things and just taking in, you know, the beauty of nature and really, you know, listening listening to, uh, you know, listening to the sounds of nature. And, yeah, um, I like it. Because it is I so, that, as you said, that, tranquil that, that and it's quiet, you know. I mean, it, and you don't need anything but your snowshoes. Exactly. And, you know, and an interesting thing is it's not saying that people don't get hurt, but um, maybe there was something, for, uh, a thing in Colorado called All Seasons Adventures, and they own three different companies. And uh, what uh, they reported is that last year they did not have a single snowshoeing uh, incident. So uh, that's, oh, that's funny. That <laughs> I get, but I mean, you could, if you didn't dress properly, you could get hypothermia or something, I imagine. Or you could I fall on a log or, that's yeah, but I, that's good to know. No, no snow, snowshoeing accidents. Hard to say that, snowshoeing. Um, another thing, too, I just saying is feeling that afterburn, just kind of getting into more with uh, your muscles, is because you have to lift your legs to get out of the snow. And each step of snowshoeing uh, takes so much more adventure, uh, takes so much more effort. Um, your muscles are going to lengthen and contract with that. So with your afterburn with that is that your muscles are going to be tear in ways and that they have to rebuild. So the best thing after is to stretch your muscles. And if you have the option of, so we do, thankfully, is soaking your muscles in hot water and then compressing them to too light because not only are you going to be out in the snow 
and the coldness is going to keep your muscles stiff. And when you know your muscles are stiff, you're more likely to have injuries. So warming up your muscles of continuously moving, and then after you're done with your snowshoeing adventure, the biggest thing is to stretch after. A lot of times people neglect that in any kind of workout, and when your muscles are still warm, you want to elongate them out because what happens is if they've gotten worked and you don't stretch them, all this latex acid builds up in your muscles. That's what makes your muscles more sore and more bulkier. You want to elongate and stretch out your muscles. So make sure that's also just good after being out in the cold uh, to warm back up. You made me think of that with speaking of the hypothermia thing. Um, but to stretch, to stretch right, and warm right. up your muscles after working out. But also speaking with the hypothermia thing, they have most trails are pretty, you, you kind of reach a point where you can't walk as much into the snow. So there's most trails are already pre-groomed in some places, even at snow resorts. Um, they offer that they, uh, that you can pay, uh, you can pay to take, um, you can. <laughs> You can pay. You can pay to take uh, one of their their guided trails, or um, or you can uh, just kind of create your own in your backyard. Uh, great things too, Tahoe, Big Bear. Um, you can rent them even at your local or local. Just saying, if you live up in a in a winter place, um, if you go, if you're up in a winter resort place, they also offer that you can rent snowshoes. Um, really discount price or even a good thing to do if you think you might be invested in it to do it a little bit longer, go to a Play It Again Sports or get a used pair that you can usually get for under $100. I actually think that it's probably, if you think you're going to like snowshoeing, maybe rent them for the first time, but then it is such a wise decision to just go ahead and buy them because I don't think that they go out of style. I don't think that from year to year they're like skis where, you know, you get a brand new one or something like that. Um, and and I think you'll find that after you rent for a couple of days, you could have bought it. <laughs> so, yeah, and they don't take up much space, uh, you know. Yeah, I, I actually, so, yeah, so I think they're actually a, it's a good them, investment that's because that's renting them, uh, if you can buy a pair, and especially you can buy a pair at discount, you know, in a couple of days of rental, you're going to pay as much as you would have to, to have purchased them. Exactly, and you, know, you brought up a great point too. Is that they don't? Isn't something they really go out of style, style, or get that badly damaged in the season? So you, for the most part, you can probably have the same pair. Oh goodness, I don't want to say for too long, but up beyond beyond ten to fifteen years, I would think, because um, they're made from now. I mean, they continuously with like with all products keep making better models and better equipment. But the ones that are currently on the market are really high quip, and I, I believe for the best part that you haven't had any uh, issues with yours. No, I, I don't remember what they're made for. Are they made of titanium? I'm not sure, but I they're so. they're very lightweight, and I've had mine three or four seasons already, and I really, really enjoy snowshoeing. And one of the things that I like a lot is is that you don't have to put on a whole, um, you know, a lot of equipment. So you just have your snowshoes. You can wear whatever boots that you would normally wear in the snow. You know, put on your parker. And I normally now, I get warm when I'm snowshoeing because I guess I'm exerting so much. So in the early days, I used to bundle all up and have a hat and a scarf and, you know, my um, my gloves. And usually about a half a mile down the path, well, I'm exactly. taking everything that's off the- and I'm down in a tank top, you know. so Yeah, that's the great thing that I think that people underestimate 
that, oh, I'm just going to go for a walk, that it really is a workout because it's you're having workout. to walk through the snow and shred through that. So it really is, you said, it really is a workout. By the end, you're in the snow and you're drenching and sweat and you're warm. Right. And and I, I also really like the fact that it's not something you have to get in the car and do. You know, I mean, if you're in the snow, you can walk in the snow anywhere. So usually, I mean, if you're going to ski or you're going to go ice skating or you're going to go sledding, you usually got to go find the mountain or you got to go find the ice rink or you got to go find the resort. But to do uh, snowshoeing, you can just walk out the door wherever it is that you have snow. <laughs> and, uh, you know, maybe you're not going very far. You, you can go up hills. You can go, you can just walk on flat. It's the, the exercise is whatever you want to do. And so I think it's just a really really super um, uh, winter sport. And I'm glad to hear that it's becoming like the new, the new winter sport because it's, it's easier on your body. Oh, 100, as I said, it's so much lighter on your joints. And there's less um, less likely opportunity for injury, and your muscles become uh, stronger over the winter time. So then, when you're back on the pavement, which is more intense on your joints and ligaments, um, that you're going to have more additional strength. So that's a great thing. And actually, I found one thing I want to kind of just sum it up with um, regarding getting to try out snowshoes. If you again don't want to take the plunge, if maybe you decide you don't like it, um, is look up retailers who do demo days, um, winter trail days. If you go to wintertrails.org and our REI, which is um, an outdoor uh, fitness and sports company uh, retail store, um, they have REI Outdoor School. Just go to REI.com and Outdoor Schools. And for free opportunities, they'll have these days where they'll let you um, try snowshoes for free, rent them, or get them at discount prices. And, in, and even just to begin with, they rent them for about 16 bucks a day. So that's a great opportunity for you to try out, see if you want to get it, and then it's much more worth it than if you just get your own pair after that. Right. Great, great uh, ideas. Well, that concludes our Health Matters Tea for Two. So you can lay down some tracks with this nice cold workout of snowshoeing. And you, Heather gave you plenty of tips on where to go and how to, how to get them. As well as don't forget a little bit of mistletoe for the ones that you love this holiday season. So let's give out the websites, Heather. Most definitely. We want you to go to BeTheStarYard.com as well as BeTheStarYard.org. And when we come back from break, Paulina Simons will be with us, and we're going to be talking about her newest novel, Lone Star. So don't go away. You're listening to Cynthia Bryan. And Heather Brittany. And this is Star Style. Be the star you are. Be right back. Star you are. The star you Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. Are you seeking a dynamo speaker for your meeting, conference, or organization? Internationally recognized keynote speaker and New York Times bestselling author and lifestyle coach, Cynthia Bryan, will bring her energetic expertise, passionate professionalism, and ebullient personality to your event. Hailed as an expert in lifestyle, women's issues, self-help, personal balance, leadership, media, gardening, and interior design topics, Cynthia Bryan is a popular empowerment keynote speaker around the world, lecturing to audiences of 100 to 5,000. For rates and bookings, call 925-377-STAR, 925-377-STAR, 925-377-STAR. 
and visit www.cynthiabryan.com. When you want the best, book Cynthia Bryan, www.cynthiabryan.com. This business of show business is calling out to me. Get started acting or modeling with a consultation from media coach extraordinaire Cynthia Bryan, who has guided entertainment careers for over two decades. Call 925-377-STAR or visit www.cynthiabryan.com. Pick up a copy of her award-winning book, The Business of Show Business, and start living your dreams today. Call 925-377-STAR. 925-377-STAR. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Be the star you are. You are the star. Plug in your headphones and tune in to enlightening interviews with acclaimed authors and success experts as our Oprah of the Airwaves, Cynthia Bryan, gabs with the gurus. Lend us your ears for the Power Hour on Star Style. Be the star you are. Now, here's Cynthia Bryan. Find all you need in a light that shines. Well, thank you for joining our conversation here on Star Style Be the Star. You are where we bring you the pioneers on the planet to entertain and edutain you. I am Cynthia Bryan, and I'm so happy to be your personal growth consultant right here with you every Wednesday from 4 to 5 live. Well, today we bring you a wonderful author of some of your favorite uh, favorite novels. Paulina Simons is the author of Tully, Red Leaves, 11 Hours, as well as the Bronze Horseman Trilogy, Soon to be in film. Her newest book that we're going to be talking about today is called Lone Star, and Paulina is with us now. Welcome, Paulina, to Star Style. Be the star you are. Hello, Cynthia. Thank you so much for having me on your show. I am very happy to have you on the show. Now, what I want to talk about, first of all, is you were actually born in Leningrad in Russia, and you came over to the United States as a child, learned English, and you are this really voracious, incredible writer writing in the English language. I'm so impressed with that. Yeah, it's it's less impressive when you know that the first five years that in America, I spent watching Happy Days and One Day at a Time. (laughs) No, that still makes it impressive to me. It still makes it impressive because, you know, when I was reading Lone Star, it was your sentence structure and just the way you put together things and the way you understand relationships, it was just so very, very American. And I'm sure you probably now, you know, you feel both American and Russian, but anytime someone's from another country and they write as well as you do in English, I'm just really, really appreciative. So uh, thank you. Thank you for being so stunning. Well, thank you very much for, for saying that. English is really the only language that I, I write in. I have never been able to write in, uh, in in Russian because I was so young when I left. So my Russian is Russian, you know, Did sort of re- you reduced to just uh, reading it and, and, and maybe a little bit of uh, you know, understanding it, but not so much writing. <laughs> so English is the only language in which I write. That's, that's very interesting. Well, let's get right down to it with Lone Star because it is a, a friendship story and a, friend, a friend's uh, two boys, two girls who grow up together and are in their senior year of high school and they are going to head off to Europe. They've dreamed of going to Barcelona, but they end up having to go to uh, Latvia 
first and then to Poland on this uh, European adventure that neither of them really, uh, none of them want to do. I wanted to talk to you about this because, of course, this is this is going at, in an area that was communist ruled, and you grew up. It, uh, it wasn't Russia when you were born; it was the USSR, and. You have so many insights into what happened uh, during World War II and with the Nazis and everything about Treblinka. It, it, was, it was very, very fascinating. Is this something that you have traveled to and experienced yourself, read about? What, what made you want to set this in that area? Uh, well, actually, I did. I did travel there. On it so happened it was the first, my first time in Poland. I went there on a on a book tour. Uh, originally, my story was set in the United States, but I had already done a, a like a travel log story in one of my earlier books, and so I was. I guess I was already sort of hungry, maybe, to set it somewhere else. And uh, except I had no idea where to set it. And my uh, my story originally was. You know, starts in Maine and goes on to the West Coast, and a girl meets boy on a regular Amtrak, and then I go to Poland. And in Poland, instead of traveling in style, like in, in you right. know, on a plane or in town car, they, they say to me that me and my three suitcases are going to go on a, on a regular Polish train. And I was like, well, who's going to carry the three suitcases? Because my right. publicist was pregnant at the time. So she's pregnant, and so she's not carrying a thing, not even her purse, and I've got my shoe suitcase and my other three suitcases, and, and yet we're going on this Polish train. They're persevering, and so we traveled from Warsaw to Krakow, uh, you know, via train, and that was the thing that did it for me, because when I was on this train, we were sitting cramped in this little compartment with all these other strangers in a very tight, claustrophobic space, and it was really tense, and, and as, a, as a writer, you know, as you're traveling, you want to be comfortable. I was extremely stressed out by the whole thing, but suddenly, like, my eyes were opened, and I thought, hmm, what a great place to set a love story in. Right. <laughs> well, you know what's so fascinating about it is I, I, I didn't know the backstory of you being on the train, but this just, I mean, it sounds like you were Blake in a way, your <laughs> character Blake, because Blake is going to write a story, he wants to win an award, and everybody's yeah. laughing at him, you know, about doing this because he's got yeah. his notebook. But having uh, myself, having traveled to Latvia and Poland um, as a student and USSR. I did a lot of studies over there. I so remember these trains. And everything you described was so real where people are arguing and people are drunk and people are singing and and the smells. It was like horrific. And then when you write about when Johnny Rainbow is taking them on these tours of of Treblinka or going to go to Auschwitz or going to any of the camps that are from the Holocaust, I could only yeah. imagine having, instead of, you know, 10 people in a car, having 100 people or the thousands of people that were stuffed in these trains that went to the death camps. And well, exactly. you just wove such a colorful, uh, heart-wrenching and yet heart-throbbing story throughout oh, in, in Lone Star. 
Well, and I thank you for that. But that and that came organically through, uh, you know, while I was writing it because I didn't set out. I didn't say, "Oh, what a great metaphor." They right. travel no, it in just a happened. free world on a train, and then later I'm going to equate what it was really like on the trains when the trains were leading everyone to death instead of leading people to love and to life and to Italy and to beauty. Uh, but it just so happened as I was writing it, I recognized that there was a potential for this parallel. That that was just going to make the story so much more resonant, and so it now is that out to how? Be. When I was the the next question I wanted to ask is about how you get your ideas as a novelist. I've uh, I've been a, a writer for several years, but uh, but mine are all nonfiction, and I always admire anyone who can create these stories from either life experiences or a compendium of other people's experiences. But do you find that when you're traveling or in your everyday life that you are mentally taking notes about people, places, things, characteristics, the way they do things, and then eventually sometimes they find themselves appearing in your stories? I, I do I do find that what I what I find that happens a, a, a little bit better. You know when you're watching something and they're just disparate images and they really mean nothing to you, right? If you're just watching, but if you're watching something where the images are all related to one subject, it makes it much easier for you to uh, catalog them and to remember them. And so it is for me. When, for example, right now I'm, I'm trying to research like my new story that I'm beginning, my new book, right? And so everything that I see, I now catalog in my brain toward that story because I know what I need. It's exactly. a love story. It's a time travel story. It's this. So I'm putting everything into into you know, little files that pertain to this, oh, I can use this, I can use that. But if I'm in the middle of books and I'm not quite writing, yes, I still see the experiences, but they're like not related to anything. And so you know, they just You know, that reminds be- me of, it's like when you're looking for a new car. You can drive around all you want, all day long, and yes. you very rarely will notice cars on the road. But if you know that you are going to buy uh, um, a Ford Explorer and you want it in green, all of a sudden you start seeing every Ford Explorer on the road that's green. <laughs> right? Or so, or yes, I understand exactly what you're saying and that's really a very interesting uh, an interesting point because it means that you're really focused on what your your next topic is and everything is coming together in that way. Well, yeah, yeah, I exactly. want to also, um, we're going to go back to Lone Star here. We're talking with Paulina Simons if you're just joining her new novel is Lone Star. But before we do, she's also the author of uh, Tully, Red Leaves, 11 Hours, and the Bronze Horseman trilogy. You just signed a contract to have the Bronze Horseman trilogy made into uh, to film. Tell us about that. Yes. Well, it, it's actually it's a, it's an option for all three books, The Bronze Horseman and its two sequels, and it is for film and or television rights. So we're sort of maybe thinking, wondering, hoping if this can become a, a miniseries. I have I had written a script uh, for uh, you know as adapting it for, for film, but now I also wrote a TV pilot, sort of in my keeping in mind that maybe we would like it to be a four-season series, and so that the first book will take, say, 12 episodes and be, uh, you know, and, and be told in one year in 12 episodes, and then the second book will be 12 episodes in another year, that sort of thing. So we're sort of trying to see if we can work, we're, we're, we're working with that plan. 
to well, you know, that would be so exciting, Paulina, if you could actually do it like that. Because, you know, in years past, TV was so blasé and so right? kind of boring. But now, yeah. I think we are in a renaissance of television, yeah. and there's just amazing things um, on the air. Don't you? Don't you think that there's television? Some- there is amazing television there. I have never been as moved, affected, interested, uh, 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 consumed by anything as I was by Breaking Bad. Yeah. Breaking oh, Bad. Right, my entire life for for years was consumed with that show. The only thing I have to say for film is that you are not going to sit down on a Friday night and say, you know what, let's just rewatch all of Breaking Bad. But you are going to say, let's rewatch The Godfather or Pretty Woman or The Deer Hunter. Um, So when you have a favorite movie, it it sort of really does embed itself inside you. I think in in a way that maybe even great great. Uh, amazing, exalting television cannot. But but what I'm liking about what they're doing on television today, uh, besides the amazing stories, is that when you have a book such as or a series, you know, a, a trilogy as you as you do, is that you will be able to actually get really into the lives of the characters and really yes. dissect the book and really help it be as true to the way you wrote it as possible because you're going to have the time as opposed to having only a 20 120 minutes in a in a film Correct. So where you're yes. going to have to cut so much out, you know? So much out. So and it that's seems what, like that, that trilogy what, would really lend itself to a series. I love that idea. Yeah, because there's so much there and there's so much character and there's so much story and so much emotion. And of course, if, you know, if you're having 12 hours to tell your story instead of two or three hours, it's, it's a big difference. There's no question well, it's a it's big difference. it's almost like reading the book, you know, I mean, because you yes. can really, yeah, and especially what people do now, I mean, most people are DVRing things or, you know, they're yep. Huluing it or they're doing something where they're actually binge watching it. So they'll right. watch three, four episodes, you know, so they really get a good chunk of the book. It's like when I'm reading a book, I don't want to put it down. I want to mm-hmm. stay up all night reading it. Well, mm-hmm. let's get back well, to you- Lone Star your character of Johnny Rainbow, how did he, he, how did he come up? I loved him, loved him, loved him. Yeah, me too. I did. Oh, my I gosh. Also, Talk about, yeah. you know, really. He really is just a heart. You know, really just so much heart. I did, and I loved him too. In other words, because you can, you can see a boy like that, a boy who is completely good and a wonderful boy, but who simply is you know, doesn't have enough will to, to stop himself from doing things that are stupid or things that destroy He's a him. bit lost, and it, it, and it seems like it came from parental unguidance, you know, or it, things right. that he witnessed. Right, but I also, I also have seen uh, boys like that who have been tremendously guided parentally and who still end up, you know, sort of... In, in, in not a great in a great place, but that's sort of but not a you know an evil person and not a person who is meant to hurt other people, but simply a good and wonderful and kind and romantic boy who is just a little bit too wild, you know, a little not 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 quite not quite there. And you think if only he had a little bit more time, he'll grow up and he'll be that great guy that we know he he's meant to be. But right. it's very fun to write about someone like that because when you're young and someone like that walks into your life, you're really swayed by him. Well, Even I, as a grown woman, was swayed by him. <laughs> yeah, you're really swept away because um, th- there seems to be a swagger, a confidence, a devil make 
care, you know, attitude that is really enticing, especially yeah. for you know, these kids that are from Maine that have lived this sheltered, sheltered life. Well, now, exactly. you have um, a teenage daughter, correct? Or I think you have four kids, I, I yes. believe, right? Yes. Yes. I have, I have a teenage, I have a, a one teenage daughter, I have one daughter who is... Um, you know, in her 20s, and then I have two sons, and so, one of them who is the age of, you know, who's 21, and one of them is 19. So. Yeah, so they're Johnny's age, right? So basically, yes. <laughs> so basically you have, uh, you have uh, young people in your life, children in your life, that are the age of the characters that you wrote about when you wrote about it, because it right. takes a couple of years to write a book. So. Yes. In creating these characters, were you, um, you know, were you looking at traits of their friends or, or, because everyone is so well developed, you know, Chloe is so different from Hannah. I mean, I I found it, when I was reading it, I thought to myself, Hannah, I mean, I I just couldn't even see Chloe wanting to be friends with Hannah. Yes. So self-absorbed. Well, yeah, they live next door, and that's also how friendships develop. Sometimes exactly. you think, oh, I'd never be friends with someone like that, but yet, and yet you grow up right next to each other. My sister was like that, where her next-door neighbor was someone that later on in life, she really probably wouldn't be friends with anymore and, and wasn't friends with anymore. But while they were growing up, they simply had no choice but to be together every day, and that's how I feel about Hannah and Chloe, that they were so different, and yet... They grew up together. They, you know, they knew each other since they were toddlers, and all of them did, which is such a sheltered relationship between four people. You know, they're almost like family. Uh, and, and they were like, so- and they were like brothers and sisters. And in fact, Johnny Rainbow makes that comment to yes. uh, Chloe at one point, saying that you know this doesn't seem like a boyfriend-girlfriend relationship. You all seem like brothers and sisters. Exactly, and and you're almost surprised to hear that what Chloe is, and she takes offense a little bit at that, takes a little umbrage, right, that how could you say that? But yet, there's such a familiar quality to their connection that uh, it's easy for someone like Johnny who just comes in to, to pick up only on that and not perhaps to pick up on other things that are going on. But And yet he himself is so fresh, such a breath of fresh air, and, and so strange and so new to all of them in a good way and a bad way. But clearly when Chloe sees someone like that, she herself becomes, you know, quite, like you said, swept away. Yes, of course. And, and you know, I mean, for anyone who's ever um, been a teen and then taken that adventure after high school to go to Europe and travel around and I know in my day, I, I went, I hitchhiked. I wouldn't want my yeah. kids to do it today. But, you know, in those days you did and lots of things happened. And so there were, there were so many instances in your book that it just felt very real. I mean, I personally, you know, trusted somebody and it was completely ripped off just like they were. All our clothes, our backpacks, our money, everything <laughs> gone. <laughs> no. But that happened to me on my honeymoon. Did I was, it really? I was, I was, I was robbed while I was sleeping in an overnight train car and uh, in, a, in a sleeper car and my bag was under my head and the guy removed it from my head, took all my stuff, my wallet, my money and my camera. I never <gasps> forget that, which is one of the reasons why you I have that hate- in the book. 
Yes, and I hate Venice because of that, because I saw Venice as the very next thing after we were robbed. So I have no pictures of Venice, and I have this association with just this black moon descending on me. Oh, my <laughs> goodness, and it was your honeymoon. Yeah, oh, my gosh. Right. I mean, but what a story. But, I mean, you actually used that in here because that stuck with me so much when uh, they went into the car and Johnny was saying to them, you know, make sure that yeah. if you're going to have, don't ever leave your pack. And if you do, yeah. you've got to sleep on it. But, you know, it's it's crazy. It uh, is that's crazy. One of the and things of traveling. And also, but this awful thing happens to you when you're traveling. To be robbed is one of the worst things that, that mm-hmm. you know, that can happen with you still having your life and not, like, being physically assaulted. But mm-hmm. it is such an mm-hmm. assault on your on Yeah, your, we had uh, my best friend and I, we were living in we were living in France, and we hitchhiked to go to Carnival, you know, to the Mardi Gras down in yes. Peace. and. This wonderful, suave, gorgeous Frenchman in a Mercedes picked us up, told us that he was on the football team. We believed everything. He oh. wined us and dined us all the way to Nice. And then as we we're having our final, uh, you know, celebratory meal of how great it was to meet him, he went to get the car and he never came back. And we thought something's wrong. Anyway, it turns oh. out that he had robbed us. <laughs> and had, so the whole trip of him wanting we had paid for everything and he took everything and so here we were just students uh, I don't know 800 miles away from where we were oh. going to school with zero money with no clothes um, and it was it's pretty it, it gave me something to write about I will well, say well I was going to say I this really is, really attached to myself like, to Lone Star <laughs> well, not only can you relate to my story but you have your own to tell that's an amazing story it sounds like Vicky Cristina Barcelona but with with Cynthia and no clothes and niece Otherwise, everything is about the same. It was. was, uh, There's some pretty funny things that happened, but you know, the great part of it is, is you survive it all, and then you do have a story. So uh, the book is called Lone Star. Paulina Simmons is the author. Her website is paulinasimmons.com, and Paulina is with two L's, so it's P A U L L I N A S I M O N S. PaulinaSimmons.com, Lone Star. So do we get a little peek of what you're working on? I know you can't say too much, but when will readers be able to see your next acclaimed novel? Well, my next novel, so my publisher says to me, I love how you write stories about great love that is always set in the past. But what I want is I just want once to see and read about great love that is set in the present. I'm like, okay. And that's what I'll give you. And I because I was already working on that. So, but, but my story does have this mystical element to it, this element of that this man loves the woman so much that he cannot let her go. And when he loses her, he actually finds a way to go back in time in order to save her so that he can, he can try to save her. So that's, Oh, I love that already. I love, I mean, <laughs> I, and I love the fact that, that your stories are based in such deep love, you know, these bonds that don't break. That's yeah. a really beautiful story right there. That's exciting. Is there a name or can we, can well, we say that? Oh. The name, it's like the name is like writing a book in itself. So originally I wanted to call it Persephone because I thought Persephone was right. such a great title. And then, and then somebody said, well, Persephone, blah, blah, blah. And somebody's going to say Persephone because they don't know what it is. So can we think <laughs> of another name? And so months go by and this and that. So finally, I think we finally come to 
uh, almost a formal title, a firmed-up title of The Girl on the Edge of Forever. The Girl on the Edge of Forever. That's the title now. Well, I, st- I love it. But as we know, uh, once the editors see it or publishers, it could be changed again, right? Oh, right. I know. But this is why we wanted to head. This is what happened with Lone Star. We wrote the book. We were nearly publishing the book. And they said, are you sure you want to call it Lone Star? I'm like, you know what? We could have had that conversation like a year ago. That yes. would have been great. Yes. And so I know it does happen. So let's keep our fingers crossed that it won't. Well, I love Lone Star because our show is called Star Style. The charity is Be the Star yeah. You Are. And the minute I saw Lone Star, even though I knew what Lone Star meant, it had yeah. the word star in it. Anything in star in it has to be on my show. Exactly. <laughs> and it is. You're so right. Absolutely. And the thing is, Lone Star is not really about Texas. When you read it's the not. story, you'll know. No. The same way that the Bronze Horseman is not is about things other than you know, the man on a horse made of bronze, you know, right. so, so, and so, so Lone Star just simply works for the story that I was writing. And right, hopefully. right. Yeah. And I think it just has many, uh, many different entendres there, because mm-hmm. I also just I look at it as being someone who's truly standing alone, you know, yes. in his field. That's how I looked at it. And who's a star in his own right. And that's, I mean, when that's how I looked at it. I just and, felt and he, really- and, and he was that so much. He, yes. was, he was all those things and then some. Yeah, exactly. Well, really great characters, wonderful story. Thank really, you. really enjoyed Lone Star. I've uh, thoroughly enjoyed speaking with you. I'm very excited about the Bronze Horseman trilogy coming to the screen, whether it's the big screen or our television screens, whatever. It's going to be fantastic. So everyone, please go to paulinasimmons.com. Check out the books that she's written, the books that are coming. You can keep up with her in her blog and find out everything that's going uh, going on. And uh, also, you know, any competitions or contests she might have happening. And just best of success to you, uh, Paulina. I'll look forward to the next book. So make sure that you get back in touch with me. Absolutely, Cynthia. It was a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you so much for, for, for a great time. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for writing it. And thank, thank you, you all for listening to Star Style, Be the Star You Are. We will be right back, and we're going to go for a romp in the December garden. So don't go away. There's more to come. Be the star you are. The star you Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Business Bites. Here's Cynthia Bryan. Are you feeling overwhelmed by your always accessible factor? These days, we're never far from our computers, our personal organizers, our email, our voicemail, our cell phones, our pagers, our remote controls, our fax machines, or even the cloud. It's time we give ourselves a break from being an invention junkie. For our set time every day, over a week period, determine that you'll turn off all of your technology gadgets and physically remove yourself from their presence, even if it's for five minutes. At first, you're going to feel so uncomfortable and so uneasy, but if you continue with this experiment, you're going to discover a sense of freedom, even for a short amount 
of time. You're going to let your brain rest and your heart rate go down. Technology is here to stay, but you have the power to unplug every once in a while. Remember, you're the star of your own performance. Turn your passions into profits. I'm Cynthia Bryan with another business bite from Star Style. For more information on coaching or consulting, call 925-377-STAR or visit star-style.com. Be the star you are. Light up the flame that burns. Make a world of difference in a world of differences when you support Be the Star You Are 501c3, a literacy and positive media charity dedicated to empowering women, families, and youth. Visit BeTheStarYouAre.org to make a tax-deductible donation today. Everyone counts. Donate today. BeTheStarYouAre.org Be the lucky star you Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Be the star you are. You are the star. Pump up your energy and jumpstart your dreams with positive, life-changing interviews and star-studded conversations on our award-winning program, Star Style. Be the star you are. Hosted by the passion, purpose, and possibility producer, Cynthia Bryan. Now, back to the power party. Find all you need in a light that shines. Well, thank you so much for staying with us here on Star Style. Be the star you are. This has been really exciting. Lone Star is a very, very fun book, so you'll have to check it out. So I wanted to talk to you about some digital digging. And I'm talking, it's not just about gardening, but in our business bite, you just heard me talking about technology. But Buddha said, with our thoughts, we make the world. My very first gardening calendar was published in the year 1993. And although I had published uh, um, the business, the show business, in starting in 1984, one of my books, this was my first calendar. Now, I'd worked with a renowned photographer for over 18 months, shooting fabulous photos from my garden throughout the season, taking copious notes of what to do and when to do it, and traveling to numerous zones to note the monthly cycles. I wrote my copy on an Apple desktop. The photographs were transparencies. And the finished product was a really beautiful printed shrink wrap gift of beautiful flowers with monthly tips worth saving. Now, over the years, people have shown me the table mats, the collages, and other creative things that were made with that calendar. Since the backup to all of my work, though, was on floppy disks, I no longer have access to my unedited insights. Thankfully, I do have the photos, and I have the published calendar as a souvenir of my efforts. This loss of my creative writings caused me to ponder the digital mania that has descended upon our humanity in our yearning to eliminate paper archiving. We tend to keep everything on our computers, designating Facebook, Instagram, and Pinterest as our memory banks. My fear is that our history will be relegated to oral rememberings as technology rapidly changes. Now, since computers became a household necessity, we've stored our data on floppies, on CDs, on DVDs, on flash drives, on portable hard drives, and now, of course, in the cloud. But will future generations be ever able to access any of this equipment as it evolves and changes? 
we when we first started having music in our house, it was on reel-to-reel tapes, and then it was eight tracks, and then it was um, uh, tape, you know, those tape tracks, whatever those are called, the little cassette uh, tapes, and then it was CDs, and now who has any of those players anymore? So all of that music is gone, you know, and people who got rid of their LPs, it's gone unless you have a turntable. So... My iPhoto photo uh, folder now has surpassed 20,000 JPEGs. Digital photos from 2009 and earlier that were not printed out aren't accessible to me anymore since I've upgraded computers multiple times and those earlier backup disks are not compatible. So earlier this year, I made a book of my favorite garden photographs throughout the seasons accompanied by many of my favorite garden quotes. The book was a gift to myself as a reminder of my years of dedication, hard work, and love of nature. And as I perused snapshots from a quarter century of gardening bliss, I was able to see how much I had accomplished with the help of Mother Nature and how happy I am that I had not only digitized photos, but also had printed them out for posterity. Now, when I first moved into this house, our lot was a hillside of wild grasses, poison oak, blackberry bushes, and it's now an oasis filled with lush landscaping, orchards, vines, trees, fruits, herbs, flowers, birds, bees, butterflies, and lots of wildlife. And one of the mottos I've always lived by is what you think about and talk about comes about. And for me, I'm always thinking about gardening. So today, all I have to do is look around to see that my personal world was created in my thoughts, just as Buddha said, with our thoughts, we make the world. So as the end of this year is approaching, I'm encouraging everyone to invest in archiving any of your precious memories of family, friends, pets, plants, places you love, not only on your apps and your gadgets, but in the old-fashioned way, by printing them out. Don't allow your legacy of a life well-lived to become obsolete as technology races forward. Do some digital digging and store a hard copy of your treasures. Plant and grow your memoirs. So there's a couple of things, too, that I really want you to do here for uh, the month of December. Refrain from collecting and eating mushrooms unless you're absolutely certain they're edible. I had a friend collected 85 mushrooms, took them to an expert, 84 were poisonous. Clean your storm drains, your gutters, and anywhere where water or snow is going to clog or cause problems. You can decorate for the holidays with branches, leaves, berries, twigs, pine cones, and try using some surprising colors like purple, not just your red, greens, and blues. Cover your tender plants from frost and cold temperatures with burlap. Patio furniture can be protected from the elements with plastic, but citrus especially uh, is susceptible to frostbite, so put the burlap or fabric over it. Create a charming birdhouse with corks. With the festivities of the holidays, you might be popping lots of corks. And there are some, there's some cute uh, photos that you'll be able to see on uh, StarStyleRadio.net. You can spray the on-carb pumpkins from Thanksgiving, silver, gold, or bronze, and add some pizzazz to your front porch, your entrance. And then when you're ready to recycle, you add them to the compost pile. And um, don't forget to um, make one of those photo books for yourself because that really, really will be important. Gather some pine cones, by the way, and you can sprinkle some oil on them for a very lovely, lovely holiday. Well, that's it for our show for today. Thanks for being great listeners, and thanks for allowing Heather and I into your life every single week. Uh, We are going to have a great show for you uh, next week as well when we bring you um, a whole show about peace on Earth. For information about Star Style Productions, go to Star 
Dashstyle.com. You can call our office 925-377-STAR. I've written six books and you may want to give some books and give them autographed for the holidays. either at our store at StarStyleRadio.net. And don't forget to make a donation to Be The Star You Are, charity that brings you this show. Go to BTSYA.org. I have always had a name to encourage, inspire, inform, amuse, and motivate you. I want you to cherish the past, dream of the future, and celebrate today. So until next week, when we play once again in our happy playground, remember that love always wins, kindness always prevails, and smiles keep us happy. My name is Cynthia Bryan. This is Star Style, and I thank you and encourage you to be the star you are. Dream, create, inspire, make a difference. Tis the season, so enjoy the merriment and have a very, very Happy and healthy holiday. We'll talk next week. Be the star you are. The star you are. Be the star you are. You are the star. Be the star you are. Keep caring. It's been a pleasure bringing you our life-changing program, Star Style. Be the star you are. We have you on our radar as it's our goal to inspire, inform, entertain, and motivate you to be the star you were born to be. For more information, visit www.starstyleradio.com. And to make a donation to the charity, go to www.bethestarur.org. Ignite the flame that burns brightly within. Take charge of your life and coach yourself to success with our dynamic hosts, Cynthia Bryan and Heather Brittany, every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time, right here on the Voice America Empowerment Channel for another serving of champagne for the spirit and a power boost to live with star style. Until we celebrate together next week, be the star you are. You are.